Trinity Central. We exist to make God central to our lives and our world. You are listening to a recording of one of our Sunday messages. For more information, please go to trinitycentral.org. This morning, we're going to talk about freedom in tension. And so God is already speaking to us this morning through the worship. Amen? Hallelujah. Right? So God's word and God's spirit coming together in meetings like this, bringing us to him. Okay, so that's been really good. So Reese talked about this bad, unresolved tension. Now, for those of you who like live life in tension, you know, just like I'm sure that parent right now with that crying child is living in tension, feeling like this is kind of awkward. I'm in the corporate setting and my child is crying. For those of us who live in tension, we know that resolution can be helpful. And we learned in Acts chapter 15, where we're at this week, we're towards the tail end, starting in verse 36. We learned in Acts chapter 15 that the churches were living in tension. They were living in this tension as it related to truth and untruth. How do I have faith in Jesus and be Jewish? Or how do I have faith in Jesus and be a Greek? And so Reese, and before that Dan Evans, brought some some huge clarity for us. That when we have faith in Jesus, we don't supplement Jesus with anything. Right? These people in the beginning of Acts said, you can believe in Jesus, but you still need to have the law of Moses bind you on all Christians. So they need to be circumcised. Right? And Dan said he had a hard message. I know that was a hard one to talk on that one. Don't worry, I'm going to still talk about something that's difficult too in this way too. So Dan, circumcision comes up again. Not my favorite topic. If you're new here, we don't always talk about this. In fact, it's pretty infrequent. Okay? But it is important. So, we learn that Jesus is not a supplement to a former way of life. He's not a supplement to Judaism. He, he comes in and, and people are born again. There's new life out of him. You can't just sprinkle Jesus into your way of life, right? And after receiving Jesus, you can't sprinkle new things onto him, okay? It's just Jesus, okay? And, and this is, in case you're wondering, this is just for them, these people back in Acts chapter 15. I feel like we can do this all the time. Right? You should pray more. And Reese talked a little bit about this in his introduction. You can pray more. You can read your Bible more. And that sense of law draws us not into freedom, but into shackles. And so the gospel brings us into tension. But that tension is freedom. And the interesting thing is that living in freedom in Christ leads us into other good tensions. And I thought just to introduce you to some of those good tensions today. So the freedom in Christ welcomes us into being in God's family. Adopted, accepted, loved, a son, a daughter, a brother, a sister, family together. But it brings us into God's mission, right? So you you get the sense of acceptance and you get the sense of propelling. Share the love of Jesus with others, okay? There's a tension. You get this tension of grace and truth, right? We see in John chapter 1, for example, John says in his gospel, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. So how can we be full of grace and full of truth? How can we be a people who have so much compassion and grace and extend so much grace to people saying, man, you don't deserve this, but God's lavished this on me, and so I'm going to forgive you, and I'm going to walk with you through this. And then sometimes it comes to this hard, crunchy conversation where it's like, man, I have so much grace for you, but you need to hear about the truth of the gospel. Okay, there's a tension. Have you guys had fun working with that one? Grace and truth? That's, that's a tough one. But we also work things out in another tension called spirit and truth. Right? So later in John, which I just read from in chapter 4, 
John says God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And so worshiping in spirit and truth is actually out of freedom. So we've just seen in this meeting, we've seen people coming up at different times, and Reese, who was hosting the meeting with his microphone, didn't know what they were going to bring beforehand. Did you? No. So he trusted them. The sense of freedom comes with working in the spirit, honoring what the spirit is doing in the moment, but the truth, letting the word of God. So this is one of the values of our churches, word and spirit. There's a tension. And introducing for us today is another one called faith and love. Faith and love, which we've seen in other parts of the Bible like 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. Paul says to Timothy, who's a character who comes up in where we're going to land today, Paul says to this very person who we're going to unpack today, he says, follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And so here's this new tension. How do I have complete faith and ambition for God's plans? And in enacting those plans and putting them into practice, how do I have love for people who I come into connection with? And so let's turn to our passage in Acts chapter 15, verse 36. I'm going to read from the ESV translation. If you have your Bible, you can jump in, but it's going to be behind me too. Does that sound good? Thank you. I like that you guys are a little bit closer too. You know, it is helpful. So here we go. Acts chapter 15. It says, After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought it best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Hallelujah. And we're into Acts chapter 16. We'll go for another five verses, and then we'll stop. It continues. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy. Hey, I spoke about him earlier. The son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in number daily. Would you join me as I pray for us this morning? That God's word would really encounter us this morning. That we'd be so richly walking in his grace. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this text. I thank you so much that it introduces us to attention of faith and love. And Jesus, I pray, in as much as I am able as a person, to unpack the truth today so that you would allow us to walk in freedom. A deeper, a wonderful, a splendid freedom that comes with following you, Jesus, and fulfilling your mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So from our passage, as I said, we're going to look, unpack this topic, which is this freedom that we have in Christ, now in tension. Tension. 
We're going to look and make some observations of our passage about God's mission in freedom. And we're going to make some observations about the tension between faith and love in our passage and then ask how it might apply to us. So we see that God's mission is so good, it's so important, that it asks us to live our best, the best way we can, in the tension of our newfound freedom in Christ. It asks for our best. Let's look at these tensions. They agree on the truth. We talked about that earlier. This Jerusalem council had established that circumcision is not required to be loved and accepted by God, to be saved and welcomed into his family. Verse 11 said, we're saved through grace. It's not through law observance. Okay, so they're agreed. Tension resolved. (sighs) Truth has been declared. What about God's plan? This is how we're getting into our passage now, verse 36, which I read from. We see that Paul says to Barnabas he wants to return to visit the brothers in every city to see how they are. So here's the mission. Here's what's worth going after. Go see how people are doing. We shared the love of Jesus with them in the past. We shared of their freedom in Christ in the past. How are they doing? We need to check in on these guys. And Paul and Barnabas, they again agree. Attention resolved. The plan is good. The truth is good. The plan is good. What next? People. Verse 37. Barnabas says, I want to take John Mark. And Paul says, I think it's best not to take him. And verse 39 says, there was a sharp disagreement A very strong word in the Greek. A very sharp disagreement between them. These are friends who've been building with each other for years. They've seen people come to Christ. They've seen people walk away from Christ. They're processing what to do with these people, this team, how to launch forward. Because what's at stake? The gospel, the good news of Jesus. And in this occasion, they disagree. They disagree about John Mark. Now, maybe some of you guys are scratching your heads because I also said that like some 30 verses earlier, we just established that circumcision was not required in order to be accepted by Jesus, accepted by God. And then Paul takes Timothy and he circumcises him. Very helpful. Very helpful to preach out of that. How, How can you hold that in contradiction? So is there disagreement about how to practically apply the gospel? Perhaps. But that may be a shallow reading Paul's thinking may come across as divisive to you or contradictory to this council. But let's talk about what is best for the gospel because of what's at stake. God's God's mission, friends, is so good and it's so important that in the very least, whether we agree with Paul or whether we agree with Barnabas, in the very least, we understand what's at stake. It propels us to come compassionately into conversation with one another, right? It, it compels us away from things such as apathy, indifference, coming you know, with a lack of interest in what the gospel has to say into our lives. When it comes to team, I'll just, do, I'll just build with anybody. I'll just, I'll just, it's a, hold on a second. This is actually so important that the mission ahead could be so tough that God wants you to build with the right people, okay? That's what we're learning already. And so, friends, when we are accepted by God, we're brought into something that is worth contending for. 
not settling for mediocrity. The gospel, as we heard throughout today, is good news to the poor, liberty to the captives, and sight to the blind. There's power in the gospel. There's forgiveness in the gospel. There's repentance that comes in the good news of Jesus. There's deliverance and power. And these are things that are worth thinking through. Mission is about taking heart and coming inspired. Coming inspired. Now, I remember uh, in 2008, I heard about this job opportunity called tree planting. I don't know if anyone's heard of tree planting before. This is up in New Hazleton, B.C., which is like, I think it's like 20 kilometers north of Smithers, B.C. And if you haven't heard of that, that's like 14 hours drive from Vancouver North. Okay, so this is way out there. And I went tree planting, and what was so interesting about it was the people that were there. These people were tough. These people could handle the wilderness. They could handle putting trees in the ground over and over again. You're getting paid 12 cents a tree, and you're bending over like this all day long. And they called people who planted 2,000 trees a day pounders because they work so hard, right? And so when we look at God's mission, we ask ourselves, who is suitable for the work? Who is suitable to build with? And this exposes us to attention because we don't want to jump too quickly to the wrong conclusion. God's mission exists in a tension that pours up, uh, excuse me, that tugs us towards a people who have faith. Okay? So if, if there are two pillars, remember I introduced this earlier, faith and love. The first pillar in this tension is people of faith. Being a people of faith. So for Paul, this tension pulled him away from someone who withdrew. Someone who had not gone with them on a former mission. Verse 38 said, John Mark was one who had withdrawn. And so there's this reputation with someone like John Mark, at least according to Paul, and we'll get to whether or not Paul was right or wrong. So there's like no, no harsh judgment yet. Just wait, there's good news for John Mark. That when you do something that's arduous and difficult, that you're in a suitable place for it. And the criteria of being in God's mission is not how strong you are, is not how well you can put trees in the ground. And let me tell you, that's hard, <laughs> right? It's not how impressive you are. It's not how big your muscles are. And there's some guys up front who have got big muscles, right, Steve? Yeah, you got big muscles. Yeah, I, got, I got them. I got them. Right? Those, those, are, those are important, though. Right? God's mission is about a people qualified in Jesus by faith. And so we have to ask this question, am I coming with a reputation of faith? And that will determine how God will use me moving forward. That's the first tension. There's others, okay? So that's Paul. Attention away from those who withdraw and attention towards faith. People who go, people who strengthen, and people who encourage. So we see in verse 40, Paul chose Silas and departed. He chose Silas and departed. Silas was one who strengthened the churches. He had a reputation for a to be a prophet. And then Paul comes to Lystra and he stumbles across Timothy. He's like, man, this guy is of good reputation. I want to build for him. And so what do they do? They circumcise him. 
And this, this really uh, got me thinking of just some stories, of success stories of faith in our church. As we were, uh, I don't know if some of you got the email that Reese sent out about us at one point not being able to baptize people in the park theater. That was a hard no. So beforehand, we were baptizing people over here. This amazing celebration of, of the freedom that we have in Christ. Dying to Christ, going under the water, being raised up and living a glorious life. And so there was a challenge with this venue about whether the water would be a risk for, for the venue, etc. And we had, we had a hard no that it was not possible to baptize people here. And as we were processing as a team, how can we, how can we process this hard no? So we had to come to this decision by faith, saying, Lord, there are so many reasons to believe that we will not be able to baptize in this theater again. We checked in with multiple people. They said no. And then we had to say, Lord, we want to walk by faith and not by sight to see people baptized here. So what we did is we did our best. We put together a proposal. Reese brought it to different people at prayer meetings. You guys got behind it. You guys rallied in prayer, right? Your best prayers, hopefully, right? And we saw God do a wonderful thing. And guys, by God's grace, we can now baptize in this venue again, right? Hallelujah, right? And, and as we were praying for this, I was thinking, you know what? Our world has so many reasons to feel, to, to say no, like to say no to God's mission. So I, I feel like there are just so many opportunities that, that get squashed because it's like, man, this is, it's so hard. It's so hard. And so when we were praying about this, I was like, you know what? Just reminded of this verse in Corinthians that we walk by faith and not by sight. Because if we walk by sight and not by faith, it is impossible to complete Jesus' mission. Okay? That's right. right? So I'm, I'm telling you that there are so many reasons for you not to believe in the future of God's mission. Yeah, that's right. And if you look at those reasons, you will not fulfill God's mission. Yeah. But if we have faith in a God that can overcome hard no's to wonderful yeses. We will see people baptized in our midst, okay? We will see people coming to saving faith in our midst. So I'm convinced that you have every reason not to believe that God's mission is possible. But I think what God is asking of us in a story like this is attention towards having faith in what God can do among us, okay? There's the first poll. This pillar of tension towards faith. Okay? But in God's mission, there is this tension also towards being a people of love. To loving points of entry for the good news more than freedom for ourselves. Okay? So Timothy was circumcised, it said in verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 4. And what we see in this, I think, is what is practical for Jesus is taken into consideration over what is preferable for Timothy. So it says that everyone in that area, the Jewish people, knew that he was Greek. And for God's mission, Paul operated in the synagogues with Jewish people. And it became, potentially, a burden for Paul to bring someone like Timothy who was known not to be circumcised even though his mother was a Jew. And so Timothy is like a man. He's not a boy. He's not eight days old, which was the case when they actually circumcised people. So let me tell you something. It probably would not be preferable for Timothy to get circumcised <laughs> as an adult. That's the last time I'm going to talk about that. 
okay? And so we see this idea that the gospel isn't just about the freedom Timothy has by faith in Jesus not to worry about this. So in the freedom of the gospel, God tells us to let go of our preferences for the sake of something that's greater, for the love of people, for the love of his mission, for the freedom that comes with seeing people who are living enslaved free. Okay, and the reason why we can do this is because we are free. Okay, a really important verse for this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 20. Paul says, to the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. Wow. And what we see in Timothy's action, Paul and Timothy's practical strategy in doing this, is we see that you are accepted in God's mission before you're propelled out to it. So God's heart for you would say that you are loved before you have to go on mission. Okay, so these people who they come across, they have no right to bring circumcision under Timothy and he's saying, no, I'm willing, to, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to let go of this for the sake of God's freedom for you because I love you because I don't want this to be a, a point of contention for me. So we heard that the gospel is so important that it's worth contending for. But we're seeing in this faith intention that it's worth contending for the right things within the gospel because there's some flexibility. There's truth and there's love. There's grace and there's truth. There's faith and there's love. There's freedom for you so for those of us here who have been set free by Jesus, that freedom doesn't come with just driving a bulldozer down Main Street or a bulldozer down Canby. I live on Main. Don't drive a bulldozer. Right? So we see attention towards love. And that tension towards loving people is really important because of what happens to John Mark. Okay? So now we're going to talk about whether or not Paul was right or wrong. So loving people in this pillar over here, this tension towards love and our freedom of the gospel, loving people has enough faith to believe in their future. So when we encounter people and they talk to us about where they're at with Jesus now, and that could be nowhere. For those of us in the room right now, it's like, man, I don't have any faith. I don't even believe this stuff. It's like, we have to have enough faith for each person that we come across that how they share about where they're at right now is not definitive of their future. Yeah. Yeah, okay? 
So as we think about who are leaders and who are followers, as we think about who we're building with and who we're not building with, as we think about whether we've been clean for eight years or 16 years or 24 years or whether we're still struggling with being clean or whether we're still struggling falling back under the law or whether we're still f- struggling with condemnation, feeling like I just need to pre- uh, read my Bible more before God will accept it. I just need to pray a little bit more God will accept it. I feel like I don't fit in here. I feel like I'm not really good at this Christianity thing. I feel like I don't feel free at all. I don't feel satisfied in any of this is the gospel comes to you and it says to you right now that this is not the end. This is not the end because God loves you. Because John Mark, friends, was restored. And I'm going to read a couple verses to you about what the Apostle Paul, who, who rejected John Mark on the basis of his faith then, comes to say about John Mark later. Are you ready for this? This is the hope that we have in Jesus. Paul says in Colossians 4.10, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. The very same guy is now on mission in Colossae, and he says, welcome this brother. He's in. He's on mission. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How about Philemon 1.23? Paul says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke. And then he says this, my fellow workers. Hallelujah. And the piece de resistance for an English speaker, that was pretty good, is in 2 Timothy 4.11. We've just been talking about Timothy that Paul chose Timothy and potentially rejected on the basis of faith, rejected uh, John Mark. Paul says to Timothy now in 2 Timothy 4.11, the best one, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you for he is very useful to me for ministry. And so friends, the word that Paul uses is what is best can be translated into suitability, suitable for activity, suitable for the gospel, suitable for the mission. And I want to confess to you, friends, that I want to be the best in the sense that I want to be suitable for the activity of God's mission. I don't want to be be better than you. I knit into a body, and there are people who are way better than I am at many different things, And this is not about competition. This is about calling. This is about fitting into God's mission. This is about blessing his name. This is about seeing the gospel go forth to the nations, right? And as I think about day camps, which we just prayed about, right, we're thinking about putting together a good team for your amazing kids, right? We want them to encounter Jesus because that's what's at stake. And our team, I'm I'm so thankful for our team that some people on our team are giving up work. They're taking time off work to come. They're, they're, drive, they're driving all around the city to pick kids up before they even arrive, right? Like, so if we... So if we think about the call of the mission of the gospel, and, and, and this is for myself personally, I'm, so when I was saying I want to be the best, that's aspirational. I'm not saying that I am the best. But wanting, with Rochelle and I, who, who co-lead the kids team, wanting to put together the best team for the gospel, is we have people who are suitable for that mission. They're giving so much that the next generation are raised up. 
And I would have a conversation with someone who says, I want to join the day camps team. And I'd be like, are you good with kids? I'm like, no. Do you have faith for kids? No. <laughs> you probably shouldn't be on the team. I mean, you're not suitable for the work. Kids are, are, are intense. <laughs> All right? And, and let me tell you, day camps is like kids times 10. You know, I mean, there's 30 kids coming, seven volunteers, and it's like if, if we, we don't give them sugar, just so you know, but it's like they're on sugar. It's like they're like, bah! right? So how can, we, how can we be suitable? How can we have the best team to do this? And so the hope of the gospel between faith and love is so awesome because in this, in this triad, Paul goes on to say later, of uh, faith, hope, and love, the greatest of all of these things is, is love. But love is not alone. And it, lets us to ha- it allows us to have crunchy conversations with people of truth. It lets us ask questions about what's your ambition? Where's your level of faith? How can we bring you in? And so let's apply this to us today. To us living in tension of the, the tension of God's freedom in the context of Canadian culture. So how are we in a situation like Paul, processing the question, who is best, what is best? Who are the best people? And how do we practically and suitably apply the gospel to our freedom today? Now, as it relates to being the best, we're talking about excellence or mediocrity. I think our culture is really obsessed with excellence in, a, in, a, in probably a bad way. And in a sense, the fruit of capitalism, the, the, one of the fruits anyway, and I, just for the record, I, I'm... I personally think that there's a lot of really wonderful things about capitalism, but there's that sense of the fruit of it, the fruit of, of quality and the fruit of producing and the fruit of private privation, privatization can come at a cost. For example, I remember being as a business student and I had to study um, in quality management. They taught me about ISO 9001. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. And there are these seven principles that they bring to bringing the most functional, best, excellent organization possible. They believe in customer focus, leadership, engagement of people, process approach, improvement, evidence-based decision-making, and relationship management. And these things are all great, okay? Quality people producing quality products and services, generating quality reputation. And I'll have you know that ISO 9001 was first applied in car companies, and I drive a car, so it's really important that that car doesn't explode, <laughs> right? So in talking about pursuing excellence, pursuing excellence is wonderful, lead to such fruitful lives. But the challenge of pursuing excellence in a culture that honors excellence is it can come at something else. It can come at the cost of something else in this other tension. So the tension of pursuing excellence, let's say, in a car versus pursuing excellence, let's say, in people. And so we enter this, maybe this other tension of the tension of saving bodies in cars versus saving the souls in cars with God's mission. So where I'm going at this is that we can create really safe cars by being really excellent, right? Airbags and everything save their bodies. But what we're also about is saving their souls. (laughs) Hopefully that one landed. Some heads are scratching. We'll move on. Okay, we'll move on. And so when we're brought into the culture of God's family, we're, we're brought into this culture, we're brought into this tension of not only just operating in a, in the pursuit of excellence in career, but the pursuit of God's mission the pursuit of God's desires, the pursuit of God's heart for people or for places or for things, the pursuit of God's heart for your time, the pursuit of God's heart for your dreams, the pursuit of God's heart for the best of what you have to offer, to see not only bodies saved, which is really important, right? This is where I'm going, but seeing souls saved, seeing, seeing not only 
seeing not only the, like people who are wonderful, enjoying culture and having food and drink and, and, and technology and enjoying the best that we have to offer, but enjoying people being satisfied by Jesus and encountering him, okay? And the challenge is that we may have an excellent vision for products and services and for our career and a mediocre, apathetic vision of God's mission, okay? So that was a bit of a tongue twister. Let me say it again. We could have this vision of excellence towards pursuing something in our career, but a vision of mediocrity in our vision of God's church. And so what we need to be aware of, friends, is the beauty of God's mission, the beauty of God's freedom, and the beauty of God's good news. And my contention is that in that tension, the more beautiful the gospel becomes to us, the more beautiful living in freedom is, the more our culture of, ten- the culture of excellence that we have in pursuing the, like, pursuing excellence in your work is now in tension with pursuing excellence for the gospel and, and the two come together and I preached about that a little while ago about how we, we, can, we can do that so I'm, I'm not going to revisit that right now and so we walk in this tension of faith we ask a question who are we? are we the kind of person who withdraws? are we the kind of person who comes and brings strength? are we the kind of person who, who goes? Are we the kind of person who hides? And so again, this tension in our time is asking us to have tough conversations about are we suitable? As it relates to coming to prayer meetings, asking the question, can I come in the full freedom of the gospel, not feeling obligated, not feeling this kind of weight of legalism, being back under law, shackled under my prayers aren't good enough, or so the qualitatively, like quality management, <laughs> excellent prayers, my prayers aren't there yet, Quantity management, I don't pray enough. How do we live in the freedom that the gospel accepts me in these prayer meetings and yet to still say, I want to pursue God and have ambition by faith to see what he does? And then the last thing I'm going to say to wrap this up is this tension that we can elevate productivity over people. So we can can elevate being excellent and productive over caring and loving for people, as we talked about with John Mark. And so one of the things about being a leader, and if you know this, if you lead into anything, and this could even be, this, isn't, this doesn't have to be um, super profound and like you're the CEO of a corporation, it could be you, you lead a small team or you lead with, with a group of people. It could be that this kind of statement is that people can get in the way of the vision, but in God's church, people are the vision. So, so people get in the way of God's vision for people, but people are the vision. So we hear in Matthew chapter 28, disciples making disciples. And so when we t- think about how suitable someone is to build with now, if I think about leading a, like Trinity Kids or something, and it's like, man, we have this vision that kids encounter Jesus and they come to love him, they come to know him. And if team members drop out, it's like, man, that can be so tough. But we're not just in it for kids. We're in it for the team. We're in it to build together. So people are part of the vision. And it makes us ask the question, how can I be stretched as a leader by the good news of Jesus to live in love for others and not for self, to accommodate their practical needs? And this is what Reese talked about last week. This um, brings us into sanctification. 
of being made holy. The gospel says, I'm accepted, it is for me. And the gospel also pushes against me. It says things like, where you are right now in your faith, we will take and we will mold and we will shape in the context of community, in the context of team, to see God's mission come to pass. I thought just to stop and just to pray into just different ways in which we can respond to have faith or to have love. An example of of having love and freedom and worship, walking in the tension of that freedom not being abused. One one last story, one last story. We we have uh, an example of freedom and not abusing it is we have people in our life group who don't eat meat. And by faith, we are free to eat meat, right? But out of love, there are vegans in our life group. And I think they'd be fine with me sharing this. I'm not going to share who they are, but you'll find out, maybe, as you talk to them. And so the, the challenge, friends, of, and this is what I want to leave you with, the challenge of being free in this tension is, is knowing how to have conversations about being free in the gospel to, to, do, to, to eat meat, let's say, but also being loving in the gospel to invite people to your house that you're going to cook for who don't. And the thing is, that creates tension because it's actually like more work. Like we have to talk to them, hey, is it okay if I, like, I put a burger on the barbecue and your vegan dog is just over to the side? Do you want them separate or do you want them together? And they're like, oh, no, it's okay. If, if they don't touch, that's fine. I mean, it's probably better if they don't, you know, could you, is there a different? And so you work through that tension in that freedom of, of trying to accommodate where people are as a witness to the gospel, right? So that, that's kind of just that one last example that I think as we think about coming to life group, as we think about coming to prayer meetings, as we think about what it means to operate in freedom, to welcome people in both of those things. So why don't, why don't we just stand? Why don't we just stand if that's okay? If you're able to stand. We can welcome the band back up. And I wonder just if there's, any, if there's been any, I mean, trying my best, you know, the quotation marks on what's been suitable to, to get after this, hoping and just in all honesty that God's love for you and, God, and God's faith for, for your future has been communicated and that that even now would be stirring your heart to believe what God would send you off with today, right? That as we leave this place, we leave feeling sent in the fullness of acceptance and excited about God's mission because what's at stake, Right? So what's at stake, friends, is the good news of Jesus, the freedom being extended to all those who are with us, the, the freedom of choosing different team members to build with in a sense of unlocking who they are as a witness to our neighbors and to our friends and to those who come to our house and those who don't. Okay, so that's, that's, that's hopefully the, the, that concluding sent, uh, thing that we're, we're sent off with. So I'm just going to pray for us. I just ask if there's anything that you feel like, anything that's been stirring in you as we've gone after this together, that you, if, you, if there's like a word of knowledge about what God has been speaking to come up, I know Reese would have a mic. If there's been something that I can pray for you for, just in terms of how you might be able to walk in the tension of truth and love, or in the tension of grace and truth, or the tension of faith and love, which you just talked about, and the fullness of what God has for us, I just love to invite you down. So 
I just love to pray for us and then and we'll go for it in worship. Yeah, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this uh, passage and how in this mind-bending way, Lord Jesus, we, you equip us to be people who, who you ask of us to have faith to go on your mission, Lord Jesus, but you don't give up on us, Lord Jesus. Yes. You don't say that, that the faith that we have now is, speaks definitively over the faith that is, is for our future, Lord. And so I ask, Lord Jesus, for those of us right now that are really coming with little, a little bit, and, and maybe for those of us, Lord Jesus, who are coming with nothing, we're, we're, we don't believe in Jesus. I pray, Jesus, that you would awaken us to trust in you this morning, to believe in the wonderful things for our future. To, and for those of us, Lord, who are too hard on people who don't have faith, or too hard on, on speaking over where people are at today, we don't want to build with people who were different then. We don't want to build with people who we don't have faith for, or people who are competent, or people who are suitable, or people who are excellent. We want to build only with those people who are strong. Jesus, I pray that we would hear the apostles Paul, Paul's words that to those who were weak, he became weak so that by all means, all people would be saved. And I pray, Jesus, for those of us who feel discouraged by the, the grandiosity of your mission, I pray, Jesus, that you would catch us up in believing that we can be part of it. And those of us, Lord, who feel confused or living in this tension of untruth, I pray, Jesus, resolve that tension. I pray, Jesus, for those of us who, who are trusting in, in the wrong things, I pray, Jesus, to shape us to trust in the right ones. And those of us, Lord, who are unloving, I pray, Jesus, convict us of that. Convict us of that attitude. And welcome us, Lord Jesus, into the freedom that comes with having faith and love for people. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we all say...